Good evening, folks. This is your host, Terry Farley in Dallas, Texas. Now calling to each one of you from the eye of the storm. The eye is at the very center of a hurricane. Regardless of how powerful the hurricane, the eye at the center is calm. God's word leads us to the eye, for the Lord encourages each of us to be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Thank you each and every one very much for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. Welcome to all, especially to our new listeners. Greetings from the eye of the storm. Tonight we continue our heading for Calm Harbor, our port of call, centered at the very eye of the storm. This evening we pick up with Proverbs chapter 25. For all who would desire to open their Bibles and join in the reading, we shall begin once more in Proverbs chapter 25, verses 1 through 4. That is, verses 1 through 4. And Lord, we do thank you for your word and pray a blessing on the reading and the study of your word this evening. Amen. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. The heaven for height and the earth for depth and the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. For the finer, <clears throat> excuse me, Proverbs twenty-five, verse one opens with the acknowledgment that these proverbs are indeed Solomon's and are being copied out by King Hezekiah's men during Solomon's time. Those interested in time itself can continue further personal study, discovering the perfection of God's word in all things, including time and his timing. Verse 2, in fact, reveals God receives glory in concealing matters and has bestowed on kings the honor of searching hidden things out. Heaven itself, verse 3 reveals, height while earth exposes depth and the heart of kings is unsearchable. Verse 4 instructs on the purification of silver by taking away the dross, preparing the vessel for the finer. Verses 5 through 7. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. For better it is that it be said unto thee, Come up hither than that thou shouldst be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. The wicked in their contrary ways can influence the king improperly. Verse 5 declares, alerting the righteous to take them away, that the king's throne be established in righteousness. Verse 6 implores humility, advising one not to put themselves forth in the presence of the king, not to stand in the place of great men. Verse 7 explains, It is better that you are bidden to come up hither than that you should be put lower in the presence of the prince whose eyes you have seen. 
verses 8 through 10. Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. A triplet of wisdom is provided in verses 8 through 10. First of all, cautioning against going hastily to strive, the emphasis on hasty. The reason is you can easily lose your place and end up in confusion on how to finish your course, especially when your neighbor puts you to shame. Debate your cause with your neighbor himself, not discovering a secret to someone else, lest that person puts you to shame also publicizing your shame. Haste makes waste. Verses 11 through 14. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him. For he refreshes the soul of his masters. Whoso boasts himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. Verses 11 and 12 are a couplet on how to advise. Certainly verse 11 can stand alone. Everyone loves the word fitly spoken, like apples of gold and frames of silver. Verse 12 distinguishes the thought, noting the wise reprover upon an obedient ear reveals the earring of gold, the ornament of fine gold. Verse 13 commends the faithful messenger as the cold of snow in time of harvest, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Braggers are singled out in verse 14, boasting themselves of a false gift, like clouds and wind without rain. Verses 15 through 18, by long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaks the bones. Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith, and vomit, vomited. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. A man that bears false witness against his neighbor is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. Verse 15 reveals the secrets to the persuading of a prince, stating, long forbearance, which is patient self-control, restraint, and tolerance. Wisely included is the prompt that a soft tongue breaks the bone. Excess of any kind is warned against, including verse 16, and the advice when finding honey to eat what is sufficient for you, lest you eat so much you vomit it up. Verse 17 encourages you to withdraw your foot from your neighbor's house, that you do not wear out your welcome, even creating bad feelings. Neighborly advice continues in verse 18, noting that lying about your neighbor is viewed by him as an attack. Verses 19 through 22, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint, as he that takes away a garment in cold weather and as vinegar upon nitre, so is he that sings songs to a heavy heart. 
If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Verse 19 is easily understood. Putting confidence in an unfaithful man when you are in trouble is like having a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Enough said here. Verse 20 throws a curve. Taking someone's coat in cold weather is just like drinking vinegar upon nitre or cheap wine mixed with saltpeter, causing bitterness to the teeth. Verses 21 and 22 advising giving bread to your hungry enemy and water for his thirst. In this way, you heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. Presumably, your goodwill shall hopefully convert your enemy. Verses 23 through 26, the north wind drives away rain. So does an angry countenance, a backbiting tongue. It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. A righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt, corrupt spring. Verse 23 approves of showing one's feelings at the proper moment. Here, the north wind driving away rain is likened to showing an angry countenance to someone with a backbiting tongue. One cannot but help to believe verse 24 developed out of King Solomon's personal experiences, as it notes that dwelling in the corner of the housetop is better than dwelling with a brawling woman, even in a wide house. Other similar verses in Proverbs align with this perspective, causing one to remember Solomon had a thousand wives plus 300 concubines. Often throughout Proverbs, wisdoms are scattered along the way. As good thoughts came to Solomon, he writing them down for safekeeping. Certainly verse 25 fits into this category, noting cold waters to a thirsty soul are like unto good news from a far country. Verse 26 recognizes the incongruity of a righteous man falling down before the wicked, reminding of a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. And our final two verses of chapter 25, verses 27 and 28, it is not good to eat much honey, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Having already recognized that too much honey can make one vomit, Solomon then compares the practice of gluttony with men searching for their own glory, which is not glory. Proverbs 25 verse 28 uh, closes with the summation of dangers of life congealed in the simplification he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Here we can't help but be reminded of Proverbs 16.32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. Next week, the Lord willing, we shall continue with our study in Proverbs, advancing to Proverbs chapter 26. And now 
we turn to our Parsha for this evening, Parsha Bereshit, in the beginning. Genesis 1-1 through chapter 6, verse 8. Opening in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. A detailed description follows of God's daily creating of the world, which he accomplishes in six days. He rests on the seventh day, which always begins in the evening, from which we receive the gift of the Sabbath rest, and which we, in fact, are at this very moment enjoying. <laughs> God pronounced his finished work as being very good. Alas, however, this state was not to remain long. To understand why, we must turn our focus to one of the most important questions throughout Scripture, promulgated amazingly by Satan himself, speaking through a serpent in the Garden of Eden. The scene is certainly one of the most well-known in all of Holy Writ, when the serpent beguiles Eve into tasting the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <coughs> Excuse me. And we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He, the serpent, said to the woman, Did God actually say? This English Standard Version translation could suggest the devil was merely trying to grasp what God's instructions were. The previous King James has Satan posing the challenge. Yea, hath God said? This phrasing points to the more profound reality that Satan is questioning God's word itself. His approach has never varied. His greatest attack is always against the word of God, even at times attempting to use the word of God against itself. As exemplified in Luke's chapter 4 account of Satan's temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And beginning in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, we read, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he, Jesus, ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus was, of course, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. That man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Twice more, Jesus defends his position by quoting scripture, saying, it is written, it is written. It is well to keep in mind that when Jesus was speaking, the only written word of God in existence was the Tanakh. Jesus also emphasizes the importance and validity of the Genesis account of creation in his interview with Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. As Jesus begins to unfold the realities of the kingdom of God, Nicodemus wavers in his struggle to comprehend Jesus' teachings. Returning Nicodemus to the basics of Scripture, Jesus reminds of Genesis 1, the creation account, saying, If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Following Satan's lead, many have tried down through the ages to question the validity, accuracy, and even intent of the Bible. However, 2 Timothy 3.16 informs the diligent, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The proper translation of the Greek phrase for inspiration is God breathed. Every word of God, starting with the opening of Genesis, is God breathed. It bears emphasizing, Jesus declared, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, uh, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Matthew 5.18. And thus we know that not only did God say, but that his word is incorruptible, the instrument of our defense, the light for our path, our chief joy and comfort. Yet we still must acknowledge not only the attacks even of the past, but also warn of the future, those events of which Isaiah records God is saying, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. And so the Apostle Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Yes, those who claim to believe the word of God will quote it to support their faithless beliefs. Peter emphasizes and then continues, for they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, uh, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, that all should come and reach repentance. 
But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, English Standard Version. And with the warnings, we must include the promise of the deliverance given by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Sorry, I'm, excuse me. And they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep in Jesus, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. God has told us the end from the beginning. He has truly said, better sheet, in the beginning. Shabbat Shalom. Any that are seeking further encouragement and strength and comfort, you can uh, search for me, uh, T.L. Farley Books, uh, Tango Lima, T.L. Farley Books. And uh, as we get ready to close this evening, I want to share an incredible, <laughs> the reason I was laughing when we came on and when I was starting my reading this evening is because I had just barely gotten off the phone with a young man. Uh, it was a business call. And lo and behold, as we were closing our conversation, it just took a couple of minutes. He suddenly, I, I, I mentioned in my book, Blast Off or PMOR, which I try to do to people to encourage them, give them strength, give them hope. Uh, that they can have a good day and understand God is in control always. And anyway, I was closing the conversation with that. And lo and behold, he got all excited and explained to me that he had just talked with the last two customers on his phone calls about God, about Jesus, and in particular about the rapture. And he didn't have a whole lot of information to share just what he had heard and he was sharing it with them. And so he was delighted to find out there was a book that he could go to that had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses referencing the Bible, referencing Jesus, referencing in particular the rapture itself. And so he was, and I, folks, I couldn't get him off the phone. And, and, and the truth is, I was having a battle. I didn't want to hang up. 
<laughs> you know, have you ever been in that situation? You know you're supposed to go, and yet you, you don't want to leave. You don't want to. You want to stay there because the, the the conversation is so rich and so deep. And uh, we shared Bible verses and and different prayer requests and 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 I mean the conversation just went on and on and on and it was so wonderful and I was laughing because <laughs> the man that I work with uh, my co-host uh, Joel Williams who's the head of the operation uh, I knew he was waiting for me <laughs> and, and, <laughs> uh, and I. How do you, you're having a really great, wonderful conversation with somebody and you're trying to break it off and, and uh, they're just going full bore because they don't know your, your commitment. So they think, well, you know, you can talk forever <laughs> and, and, and you want to, you want to talk forever because this is marvelous. Now you've talked, you're talking with someone who understands where you're coming from. They speak the same language, the same. And so, and you're, you're just, coming together as brothers in Jesus. And uh, it's so exciting. It's so wonderful. And the, the fellowship is outstanding. And I want to share this for two reasons. First of all, to encourage believers. Paul said ministering, especially to the household of faith. People think, well, you meet somebody who's a Christian. Oh, well, you're a Christian. You're all set. You know, and all that, you know, and, and they go, on. no. Those are the people you're supposed to say, amen, you're a brother. Yeah, let's pray. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's encourage each other in the word of God. Especially, he says, especially to the household of faith. So we don't want to miss those opportunities. And especially, Paul says, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Don't, don't hang up on me. But he said, especially as you see the day approaching, speaking of the rapture. And I believe I proved my point when you read the book. But again, that's not that's not concrete. You don't have to believe that to believe in Jesus. What's important is believing in Jesus because we're going to get it all sorted out when we get to heaven and find out where we were wrong, where we were right, and all of that because none of us are perfect. But in the meantime, if you know Jesus, I praise God for your fellowship. And if you don't know him especially, that's really that's going to be the most important thing that's ever going to happen to you, as it did to me, September 22nd, 1974. Never forgot it. All I did was to call on Jesus. Jesus said there was a man, he was a tax collector, we're in tax season. There was a man who came into the temple, could not lift his eyes. He was so ashamed of himself and his own sins. And he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's what the thief on the cross said. He said, Lord, remember me when you get in to your paradise. And Jesus said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Jesus is that real, folks. Please trust in him. These aren't just words. If you allow those words to come into your life, you're going to understand how real Jesus is and what we have to look forward to, not down, but up. And in the meantime, let me say, Maranatha. Jesus come. And that's the wrap for this evening, folks. May we all join together in prayer that each of us has a good night. And the Lord willing, until we meet next time, or until Jesus shouts and we meet in the air, or at supper, here's bidding you all, each and every one, the very best Jesus has to offer you. 
From the eye of the storm, this is your host, Terry Farley, bidding you a good evening.